All right, Mrs. I'm pressing the button. All right. Mike Brewer's in the house. There you are. Yep. I'll do this from here. That's the first time that's happened. <laughs> the theme song's going. I'm thinking, why is there only one mug there? Chad. Oh, Chad. Uh-oh. Gosh. Oh, my God. I can't Chad. even get the butt. Look at this whole thing. Chad. <laughs> get it together, Chad. Well, there's a whole thing to setting up the studio. And we used to do it a certain way, and and now we're experimenting with different ways, and right. it's a learning experience. Here we Hi, go. Mrs. Ryan. How Hi. are you doing? Welcome back. Good morning. Back. Uh, see, here we go. Which one of these <laughs> is the one I need? Uh, welcome back, everybody. Hello. Today is Wednesday, April 17th, 2019. My name is Jay Ryan. This is Nicole Ryan. We are the Ryans, and this is It's Tonight's Show. We are excited as usual, but tonight our guest is Mr. Mike Brewer, and tonight is the night that his show, Wheeler Dealers, is back on Motor Trend. I mean... It's kind of a big deal. The big, big deal. deal. So um, <laughs> we're going to resist our general urge of verbosity, the word for sure, and uh, we're just going to try to get the show going uh, today. But how are you doing, Mrs. Ryan? How are you feeling today? Awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. It's amazing. You get the biggest smile, yeah, and you always. are so personable. Like it's incredible, and you just all the hospitality. We have a full house today for sure, and all the hospitality, all the drinks, and the whole bit. You were handling everything. And I happen to know that you've been up since 2 a.m. So yeah. how, how are you doing? Awful. I'm Awful with a giant smile, though. I'm wired wrong. So the worse I feel, the happier I look. So great. <laughs> I'm sorry, but bravo. It's <laughs> bravo. Worst, the worst bravo ever. Worst problem to have. It's fine. It's all in a day. And I think I just got uh, excitable. I think what? it all comes from my being excitable. Oh, excitable. Oh, uh, Okay. <laughs> Reactionary? Is that the same thing or is Lots it the same family? Uh, sure. It's in the same family. Yeah. I'm it's not in the family. In your mouth. No, and then I coughed. I mean, I'm, uh, it's, it's an excitable factor. Well, I like your, your outfits. <laughs> well, there's definitely a theme well, yeah, here yeah. to go. <laughs> oh, I noticed it the minute so they walked excited. in. I was like, oh, your shoes. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I didn't even notice that. I just saw all four of us were all in the same shirt. Uh, all right, Mrs. Ryan, uh, the only business I have to attend to today is some good, fun, awesome business. Cool. It's, uh, you don't have anything else for the hellos, do you? I'm sorry. Okay. Um, we're going to go to the East Coast, but it's not to check in with the feed. Where are we going, Mrs. Ryan? I don't know. Really? We're going to go backstage with Mr. Oh, Ray yeah. Schaefer from Porsche. Let's see where Mr. Ray Schaefer is today. Giving us an awesome backstage pass. Roll it out. Hello, Jay and Nicole from the beautiful Barber Motorsports Park here in Birmingham, Alabama. Let's take a walk around the paddock of the IndyCar weekend, see who we might see and what cool cars we might see. It's what you do on a Saturday when you've got a wonderful day off like this. Let's enjoy.
Jay and Nicole walking around the Haggerty Car Corral. Who do I bump into but one of your previous guests? Hey, Ryan! Uh, hey, Mr. Ryan! Hi, Jay! It's Ramsey Potts! As if you had any question, of course, right? Who's the guy with a hat? <laughs> what have you been up to, Ramsey? Thank you for asking, Ray. Lots of travel, travel, travel. I'm going all over the place meeting the coolest petrol heads on the planet with R.M. Sotheby's. We've been having a real busy season. Great auctions in Amelia, Fort Lauderdale. Looking forward to a fantastic summer. But I'm here at the racetrack this weekend Barbara with my buddy Ray at Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama. It's fun because for Ray and I, about 30 years ago, Ray, is when we really first met. A lot of it had to do with racing, going to the IndyCar races at Mid-Ohio and kart races and all kinds of races. So it's really special to be here this weekend with my power, having a great time, great weather. We miss you guys. Well, as you can tell, <laughs> Ramsey needs a little injection of enthusiasm. Yeah. So we're going to take him for a walk around the paddock and see, at, uh, take a look at some race cars. That ought to do it, right? And then maybe he'll show some enthusiasm. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> I really will. Anyway, you guys have a great show. Thanks for all you do. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. Love you guys. Happy motoring. Wow. <laughs> Holy smokes. Wow, if you couldn't hear us, we are laughing over here. What a surprise. Wasn't that delightful? I had no idea that was going to be what showed up here's the thing you guys don't have to believe this or not but we, we generally don't watch these first so that you get a real reaction that was great i was so not expecting that <laughs> hey everybody it's ramsey oh god i love him so much uh, for anybody who couldn't hear over us laughing, that, of course, was Ramsey Potts from uh, a specialist over at RM Sotheby's and a big car guy, and, and everybody knows him in the industry. But great guy, great guy. And those guys have been friends, like they said, for 30 years. <laughs> I know. Isn't that amazing? Uh, one thing I just wanted to bring up just for your sake. Did you see a guy waddling in the paddock with a long thing? No. He had a, you didn't see it? There was a big, long thing with a very long apparatus? Oh, no. I was going to see if you knew what that was. I, I, I did, it. but I forget it. It was a starter for an indie car. Oh, I know. Every, I thought, oh, this will be a nice piece of trivia. And then, hey, everybody, it's Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so <laughs> oh, I love that guy. All right, uh, Mrs. Ryan, let's not dilly-dally. It's time to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? An Australian couple went fishing in the outback, and they got caught Based on like what I know of rules from cartoons, they wrote what? "Help in the mud," oh, and sure. a plane saw them and found them and rescued yeah. them. Even the stuff in cartoons was written by real people and based on real things at some point. Totally. I love that stuff. Yeah, I've heard bits about comedians that were taught things growing up that were based on cartoons or whatever, and like learned from cartoons. And like this really happened. So. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that's it. A good one. Uh, don't panic. It's Always also common sense. That's right. It is common sense, but I would panic and forget to do that. So. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, that's the first thing. Don't panic. Good reminder. Rule number one: not no panic. To panic. Um, that is a nice one, though. And they were rescued, and they're safe and sound. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, keep fishing. Um, when okay, the, I didn't know this. I for some reason I thought that the moon had no water. I feel like that's something we were told and whatever, and they don't really. When you see them running around, it was always kind of powdery. Yeah, you know I mean, like you would see the dust clouds. Okay, and stuff. so, so that was a school would, of one thought. Would one would assume it. Okay, it also well, looks kind of yeah. I would understand that thought. I never really thought about it. Dry, 
Um, but they did find. I've decided that I want to look at planets like uh, Boston cream donuts, like that are filled oh, from the what's inside. inside? Well, it could because be anything, right? Could be jelly, could, it could be custard. Be, you just don't know. Could be cream know. filling. And frosting, I used to love. Gross. Um, but <laughs> it's, gross. it's totally disgusting, but I loved it. Um, but what they're finding is that when meteorites hit the moon, if they make like a three inch indentation, they release water. Oh, not wow. dust. So Only meteorites? Probably. What I was just describing, that guy, you know, like the footprints that was, uh, that was dust, probably, and not v- yeah. water vapors? Yeah, he didn't go far enough in. Okay. Um, but it, and it's super so below the lunar low. surface, though supposedly is there's a really thin sort. layer. Yeah, it's like 0.02 to 0.05 percent by weight or something. It's super low density, but super neat. That there's is water cool. in the atmosphere. For what the is moon. that? Uh, did they say what that will do for us? What does that discovery mean? Does it change anything? Does it? Uh, it does changes. It make, does it make the moon ha- inhabitable? Like you know, what does it no. do? No, what it does do though is changes our understanding of what the moon is. Oh, I see. So it gives us ways to think about it. Okay. That are different. So Okay. It's a little more organic, I think. Makes sense. Um, France. Okay. Horrible. That's going on in Notre Dame. But they jumped on it. The, France is already getting ahead of this. And they announced an international competition to rebuild the spire that, was, that got burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what will happen with that? It's a neat idea. I but think it's neat. There's already nine hundred billion dollars in the fund in the f- for restoration from like French billionaires and people thought, that want to see it. The, the, what comes to mind here is just the everybody in, in a quest to be first and just the uh, there's a name for this and you know from your old business. But uh, when people just want to fucking they just, everything gets uh, dramatized and grandiose for the sake of the headline. You know what I'm saying? There's a very simple term for this, but whatever it is, I I'm, I'm just whatever. What I'm describing is um, all of the headlines that evening were uh, Notre Dame total loss, blah blah blah. Oh, the humanity, the whole fucking thing. Yeah, it is. It's terrible. It's awful. None of us liked seeing those visuals. But the truth is, the wooden part of the roof burned just like it did in the movie. For God's sake, I mean, it's. It, I don't know who's surprised. The thing is, they're going to rebuild it again. It's not the first time. All of the things. Um, I'm glad that it's. They said that they can confirm that nobody was uh, killed. I mean, that's pretty oh, fantastic. That's, okay, so, then that's uh, a win. Yeah, that's what I think. This too. fire was added on. It was an addendum already that was added on in the. <laughs> As mid- a designer, 1800s. it never went. <laughs> it was added <laughs> on the mid 1800s. Like maybe it's time for an upgrade. But the, um, so billionaires, like local ones, but also companies like Yves Saint, like Yves Saint Laurent and Louis Vuitton, and yeah. Sephora and L'Oreal, like. It's all. It's all good. It's so cool. The money's it's, coming like from the so many different places. Yes, it's making it a global community, which I love. Yeah, so I love that everyone's getting involved, and there's already money for restoration. That has they've said it's not going anywhere else. This is what it's for, right? Um, which is awesome. Absolutely. And then lastly, oh. two boy, two boys in Savannah, Georgia, um, beat rescue workers to save a flock of baby ducks out of a sewer. <laughs> And the police department like thanked them on Facebook and was oh. like, "This is what community is about. This oh, is well, nice little segue this is how there. it goes. Yeah, I mean, like, help when you can. Like, they got a call because of a noise complaint, and the kids were like, "I'll just help." Ugh. Someone so was did. complaining about the the ducks in distress noise. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> the cop got there eventually because he's got uh, important things to do. And the kids were like, "I'll just save the ducks." That's awesome. So they did. That is so a feel kudos good one. to the kids in Savannah. And that's Ben what's with a very nice uh, big smile. What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? 
All right, it's time to get a uh, car guru, wheeler dealer host. I don't even know. He's just been a car guy for life. I'm going to find out all about that in a few minutes. Let's get Mike Brewer in here right after the break. He's going to be sitting in that chair yeah. right there. More to come cool. right after this. You can always bring Mrs. B in at some point if you wanted to. Absolutely, she is the uh, she's the driving force behind everything. So why not? <laughs> with that, we are back with Mr. Mike Brewer. Hello there, Mike Brewer. How are so you? Get some cameras there. Looks at you're on. You're good. Beautiful. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Uh, I was very surprised today to find out that you're one of our few guests who've actually seen the show before they got here. So. Oh, <laughs> Uh, we're new, might, we're new, you know. You might think that it was a bit of research, but no, actually, uh, you've had two of my very good friends on here, Nicholas Hunziger and Freeman. Oh, uh, you so know yeah, I know too. Freeman very well. Sure. So uh, when I found out those guys were on, I started to tune in, and uh, I've got to say, I very much enjoy it. It's great. That's yeah. very kind of you. Thank you so much. It's great. And great studio. I love it. 
I'll take that too. Thank you very much. Uh, I have been a fan of yours since I first found Wheeler Dealers, which is whenever it came to this country. I don't know. I would say at least 10 years ago, but yeah. it's probably more like 12. Yeah, it probably like is. That. I, I think, uh, I, do you know what? I don't know the actual date it landed in the U.S., but we've been making the show since 2003. Oh, uh, wow. And I think it possibly came here around 2007. Okay. Um, so yeah. long That's time, what feels right know. to me. Yeah, long time. Uh, you did an episode with a friend of mine, Danny, down at DeLorean. Yes, that's right. Back yeah, when, that was yeah. great. That was great. <laughs> it was that, great. Now that was a long time ago. I remember that that damn car. Wherever I went in it, uh, I kept getting pulled over. I got pulled over three times by the cops in that car, but not because I was doing anything wrong or illegal. It's just that they wanted to take a picture photos in yeah. the car, and I'm like, "Can you really? Are you allowed to do that as a yeah. cop?" But we used did. to have one of the Back to the Future DeLoreans. You just was, don't argue with somebody who's got thing. a gun. So, no, uh, no, 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 no. Just don't argue. Yeah, go and have a picture. <laughs> sure. go, go ahead. Uh, well, that's when I first uh, became aware of you. Rabid fan right out of the gate. Um, we actually have the first, I don't know, however many seasons are available on our DVR. Big fan of the Thank show. Thank you. No, no, it's absolutely 100% true. Not DVR, our media server. I mean, I bought them on iTunes. It was like a thing. Um, what the hell got you into cars? And then I'd like to talk about the show maybe in a little bit. But how did all that start? I mean, I came to you. You're already a car fan with a car show, with mm. a, you know, the whole thing. That's not where you started in cars. No, no. I started in cars uh, from – I was born into a car-loving family or, dare I say, a car-loving dad, if you like. Mm. Uh, so my dad was a car customizer. Uh, he used to oh. hot rod cars in London in the 1970s. And that was kind of an unusual thing back then. You know, people are driving around in the Hillman Minxes and Bedford CF vans. And my dad had a penchant for thrust side pipes and wolf race wheels. And, uh, and that was kind of unusual. Stand, stand outish. Stand outish. Right? So um, I, I was brought up in a world of car shows, custom car shows. And seeing my dad get notoriety, people patting my dad on the back uh, all the time and saying, great job. And I was around that. I was around that world and seeing his cars appear in magazines and, and being quite famous. Uh, so uh, as a young lad, I, I used to help him out in the workshop. So from the age of about, you know, I suppose, 8, 9, 10, 11, I used to spend my summer holidays in the, in the garage in the workshop with him. He had a business and uh, hand him the right tool, make sure that I polish the tool before I put it back in the toolbox. Beautiful. Uh, and uh, I learned very quickly how to flip, restore, uh, uh, customize, modify uh, cars. I didn't know I was learning. You know, like anything, you your DNA is being formed. DNA, though, isn't my it? DNA was being formed right there in front of me. I can wow. remember my dad doing deals, selling cars, buying cars, uh, and educating me in you know how to look at paintwork, how to look for previous signs of a- accident damage. And back then, I didn't really care. Well, like, you know, it sort of yeah, it was sort of just part of growing up. Yeah, and it wasn't until I got to. Uh, 16, 17 years of age when I started to buy and sell scooters and cars. Uh, uh, it wasn't until I got to there I all of a sudden realized that I knew <laughs> realized a I already lot. know what I'm doing. Yeah, I know what I'm this doing. And I, and I l- knew a lot. And, you know, I bought and sold my first car at the age of... Uh, you can't drive in England until you're 17 years of age in a car. So I bought my first Mini at 17, crashed it. Uh, oh, I never crashed it. My sister's neighbor reversed into it. And then me and my dad restored it. And I sold it for 500 pounds more uh, than I'd add in it. 
And uh, that back then was a month's wages. You know, to a full size adult, that was a month's wages. And I thought, on a I'm, car that you couldn't even technically—I mean, it was a, yeah, ki- a kitty car, a kitty car. And I thought, I'm I'm good at this. I've, I've done that quite well. I'm quite good at this. Wow. So uh, I've never stopped doing it ever since. I've just bought and sold cars all my life, and here I am today, wow. many years later. God, I don't know. But you know, generate decades later. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, decades. Thank God I never said centuries, but decades <laughs> later, and I'm still doing the same thing. Well, with that, then is it a passion or is it is it just the DNA? I, and I don't know another way. This is what I do. Exactly that, right? So my um, my DNA is very very simple, and uh, you know I am one strand uh, DNA from wherever the great chimp that we come from. Uh, my DNA, my DNA does one thing: it rebuilds cars. If my beautiful wife Michelle is here with us today, if Michelle Taking says, right now. "Can we mow the lawn?" Surely there's another man who's got DNA that mows the lawn. Can we can we put a shelf up? There must be a man that's got DNA that puts shelf up mm-hmm. shelves up that that he can do that. Uh, I agree I, with you. I, I agree with you. Yes, I agree with you exactly. fundamentally. Right. So I'm your DNA strand is this. You are a talk show host. Without that's your saying strand. It, yeah, yeah. Right. So if uh, if your lovely wife says to you, uh, we need to go to the grocery store and get some shopping. Surely there's a <laughs> there's a strand of DNA somewhere that somebody else owns that they do that. Absolutely. So I'm, Instacart, I think. I, I'm just purely and I and I mean this wholeheartedly. I'm just an utter car guy. I don't know anything else. I don't really want to know anything else. I've immersed myself in this whole world of of, uh, automotive restoration Uh, and what I'm good at is not only telling the story and narrating the story about a car's journey uh, but I'm a damn good TV producer and TV maker as well Mm -hmm. so uh, and uh, and because of my passion for cars and my passion for delivering and narrating a good story I've ended up with the biggest car show in the world yeah is it is that is it officially (laughs) yeah I mean because I I would say it's the one certainly that people has the most awareness of anyone I know Well, I think it's um you know some some People, and it's not a competition, and I don't really care that it is a competition. But uh, some people may argue that you know Top Gear or Fast and Loud are bigger, but they may Fast and Loud maybe be bigger in America, but it just doesn't translate across Europe, where Wheeler Dealers translates in every territory across the world. And and you've also a, got the longevity behind it. It's the longevity. It's been around forever. It's like um, you know watching the Time of Our Lives or Coronation Street in England or Bangos de Fury. It's it's just always there. Right. And uh, long, uh, let's hope it's, it's always... It's a public it, utility. I like that. Yes. I, I like, like that. I like that public utility. That's what we're that. trying to do. You know yes. what I mean? Something that's just, it's dependable, it's consistent, it's there when you need it, it's there when you don't need it. It's just always there and there's not enough of that in the world these days. No. No, there isn't enough of that in the world because uh, every Everything today, uh, including the cars, and I know you're big car fans, and we've met each other at Porsche events. Uh, Everything these days seems to be disposable. You know, everything is just throw away. Whether it's TV content today, it's just disposable and it's instant and it's thrown away. You know, putting naked bodies on a desert island and getting them to run around and fall in love with each other. It's here one minute, it's gone the next. And uh, shows like this, you know, talk shows and well grounded, comfortable programs and a well grounded, comfortable car show uh is is longevity and it just keeps us going forever yeah you're you're good at this <laughs> uh, it's my living this yeah. is what i do for a living so let's progress to that then the car guy i get that's in your dna but yep. you are a hell of a presenter i mean yep. to the point where people have approached you to do shows and you're always in talks about that sort of thing 
Um, I hope you do that at some point, and it's not a conversation I want to have today. But <laughs> did you get good at that? Did, were you always good? You probably have always had a personality, so that's probably built yeah, in. Yeah. Again, I'm going to just refer back to my family, and, uh, and I'm sure this is going to sound familiar to other people out there from a large family. I'm the baby of six, okay? So I've got five older brothers and sisters. And when you're the baby of six in a family that live in a one or two bedroom apartment in a very poor neighborhood in London, and we are very poor, you know, the family was very poor, um, there's food put on the table. And uh, if you don't sharpen your elbows and shout, you're not going to get fed. So from a very early age, I had to make myself be known and aware. And I had to fight my way onto that onto that dining table Mm -hmm. to get some food. Uh, equally to you know where uh, get get a pair of sneakers, a pair of trainers for my feet, or to get a T-shirt. You know, I I live for all my life with hand-me-downs. You know, wearing my right. sister's sister's top, even my sister's underwear. You know, that was how sure. poor we were. Uh, so as a consequence of that, I sort of beca- I'm a confident person. You know, I became very confident in the terms that I I can shout my way to the top. You knew you could handle yourself, take care of yourself. When I went through my school, fend for myself. And when I went through my school years, it was the same. You know, my school years, I I very much uh, had, was the smallest person in my school by a long way. I was a tiny little kid. I was very (laughs) underdeveloped, uh, but I had the loudest voice. And I didn't Um, have the loudest voice because uh, I wanted to be the flashiest and be heard. It's just that it was the only way to get her, to, to, to have somebody notice me. And, uh, and as a consequence, uh, when television come and found me now 22 years ago, uh, it's a long time ago, I know. When I said 22 you years ago. You should have just said experience, Jay. Yeah, when, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, te- television, it was black and white back then. Yeah, right, right. right. Uh, when television, and we used to watch it on a glass tube in the corner of the room. <laughs> with a round screen, I yeah, understand. Yeah, with a round screen, not a flat panel. Uh, when, when television come and found me 22 years ago, uh, out the, straight out the box, I was good at it. You know, I was, uh, and that's not me saying that, that's them saying that. You know, the TV uh, said to me, Blimey, you're you're really good at this, and you're and and, and as a consequence, that very first show I ever did on TV, 22 years ago, I've never not worked on television every week ever since. That's all wow. I've ever done. Good for That's you. Impressive. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That really is impressive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is not this is a career of 15 minutes. It's not not longevity technically. Yeah, but you're in a longevity market. That's what I said to you. See, this is comfortable, isn't it? And this is what people want. And people are going to tune into this because they know they're going to get this repeated format every night. They're going to feel cosseted and comfortable when they watch it, just like they do with Wheeler Dealers, like they do with Jimmy Camille, like they do with any talk show host. That's what people want. And uh, this is exactly what people want. I love it. I love it. I was an only child, so I just sat there quietly. Unlike yeah, now you. you're owning it. You're owning that, aren't you? I'm trying. It. We are trying. I think you know this was a whole switch for us. We were always behind the scenes people. You know what I mean? This is presenting is very new. Well, you're damn good at it. I have watched your. I have watched. No, I have. I've watched your previous uh, your previous uh, shows and your shows. Uh, uh, that, that you know, in, unfortunately, in the world of television, there's too many people out there trying to be famous. Yeah. And I think the route to trying to be famous is just, just not be famous. Um, <laughs> and and uh, for me on Wheeler Dealers, I genuinely still today hate the fact that people call me a celebrity or a star. If they mm. want to do it, I can't help it. But I'm not. We uh, The car is. You know, I always try to make the car on the program the star of the show. I'm not a star. I'm just a guy who fixes up cars for a living. 
I'm good at it. That's it. Um, but so I always try to pay respect to the car. And I think out there in this world today, there's too many people trying to be naked on a desert island, like I said, <laughs> just to try and get noticed for five minutes. And uh, if you are just like us, just passionate about what you do and deliver it in a nice, cool way, uh, people will just make you famous by default. I love that. That's mm. the hope. The grass that's true grassroots. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Of course it I mean, look, T V wants um T V and dare I say radio and podcasts, what they want is people that's passionate about their subject matter. Right. Uh, and yeah. that's as simple as that. You know, you, you, you any successful person in this world, uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, anyone, uh, Richard, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, they are successful because they're passionate, passionate dearly. And they would cross hot coals, walk out on hot coals for their passion. And that's what drives them. And that's what makes them a success. And uh, as long as you're doing that, you'll, you'll succeed. I love that. <laughs> Once you to focus and not uh, listen to everybody else, that was my thing for life. You know, it was yeah. just getting everybody else involved in my soup that I'm making over here, and yeah. I'm the only one who knows how I want this to be. Do you, do you know, in this world, in this world that we live in, as well, full of social media, and we use social media. You do as a, an effective tool. I mm-hmm. do as an effective tool. Uh, there's with all that negativity that's out there. It's very easy to be negative on social media. Yes. Uh, you just need to filter that nonsense out just filter it out get rid of it you don't need those people in your lives only deal with positive people in your lives and have a positive attitude to everything you do i've i've never i've never woken up in the last 22 years with my glass half empty never never once Uh, i've always woken up with my glass half full and my tail in the air and excited about what i'm about to do you know today um, do you think part of that is, well, I'm sure there's a million facets, but I'm just curious, uh, having grown up the way you grew up and then having made what you have currently, I would have to assume that there's a tremendous amount of pride when you wake up, look what I've done. I'm going to continue to do this. And, um, absolutely. And for every person out there that tries to bring that down and says, you're crap, you're rubbish. I have um, a hard time with that. Yeah, I do. It hurts. You it know, does it hurts. Hurt. It hurts horribly. Yeah. Uh, and when they do that. Uh, these are people that have never met me. They don't know anything about me. And, you know, I just filter them out now. I just block them off and filter them out. But it does hurt because I think, why would you say that? You know, why would you say that? I get, you know, more than I think any other TV host, and there'll be a lot of people that are vouch for this. And me, my wife, and my daughter, we have more abuse online because, yeah. for one reason, because we wake up every morning with our towel in the air, our glasses half full, yeah. and we're positive about it's what we're about to do. It's hard for people to do. And people can't deal with that. Yeah. People just can't deal with that. People are, are in their mundane lives. They can't get away from their computer screens. They can't get away from their cell phones. And they, they are in a, in a rut. These people are in a rut. And if they see success, and they're going to blame somebody for their failings. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, never deal with those people. Just block them out. Just don't even. I've got a a new uh, a new filter, if you like, that I've invented. It's um, <laughs> it's post. Don't read. Simple as that. Post oh, yeah. don't read. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. Absolutely. Post don't read. That's a good rule of thumb, yeah. man. Stay out of the comments the whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. Drop, I like it. Just just drop it and <laughs> drop it the, and move get on. Get the hell but, out. Yeah. I mean, look. You know, uh, every every day you have to think about my life and to go back to your question: Do I wake up because of the success of what I created? Um, every day I wake up and I think, and this is genuine, uh, as I say, I'm a guy that fixes up cars for a living mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm the car's the star. Uh, every day I wake up and I genuinely think somebody's paying me for this today. Yeah, that's <laughs> Somebody, where it's Somebody's actually going to give me some money to go and do what I would be doing anyway. That's the part of genuinely grateful. Yes. Yeah. I mean, where, what? <sighs> yes, I can't it's believe magic, it. It's magic, right? It is magic. Yeah. 
What am I getting away with today? Yes. <laughs> How did I do this? I don't even have a pistol or wear a mask, and yet somehow <laughs> I've got away with it. They're beating down my door <laughs> yeah. to give me stuff. Yeah. Um, can we talk about wheelie dealers? Yeah, go wheelie days specifically. All right. I found the show as I mentioned because of the Delorean episode, but then I went back and, and you know the whole thing. Um, what was appealing to me about the show was not just uh, that it was a car show and that you were very uh, um, personable and that Ed was very good at what he did. I can mention Ed, right? Yeah, of course you can. Okay. Um, what it, what really hit me was the dichotomy between uh, not you and Ed, but the two different types of people. Yeah. There's a guy, and it's sort of these yeah. two different types of yeah. people. There's the guy who has no problem talking to p- other people. Yeah. And um, almost is the outside, the front of the house. Yeah. And then okay. you've got somebody else who is much more comfortable working in a room all by themselves. Yeah. Um, th- watching the dichotomy between you two was what drew me in mm. because I was one of those creatures, yet I wanted to be the other creature, which yeah. is everybody. Whoever is one generally Let's have a, a little bit, right? Grass is greener. Um, you created Wheelie Dealers, correct? Yeah. Was that built in? Did you did you know all of that, or were you just trying to do a car show and you accidentally filtered it with so much heart that everyone was then attracted to it? Uh, well, I didn't. Yeah, let's you know what back. I'm saying. Wheel yeah, dealers I, on paper is a car show. It's a, it fundamentally a car show. Yeah, I mean, look, um, the the show was created by two guys, uh, Daniel uh, Allen and Michael Wood, uh, together with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cr- we we sat down with a piece of paper and uh, we took the best. I did a, another show before called uh, we- Deals on Wheels. That was a show oh. I did in 1997. Similar, similar show. It was about people buying and selling their cars, and we were looking at them. But during that program, uh, there was an element where I would show you tips on how to fix up your car and get mm. it sold. Okay. So we took the best element of that show, which I created, of that, uh, of, of that show, and we made a whole program out Absolutely. of it called Wheeler Dealers. Um, the, to get to what you're saying, it didn't happen by accident. You know, what, what we've thought of with Wheeler Dealers is there has to be a somebody – to go out there and buy and sell the cars. Mm-hmm. There has to be a car dealer, somebody who's out on the road finding parts, sourcing cars, finding people, looking at trades and industries. That's my role mm-hmm. in the show. Uh, but what happens then is very, uh, very. Um, how can I say it, singular. You have Ed, uh, now Ant, in the studio, and it's very intimate. There's just mm-hmm. that intimacy between... He's talking straight to, to camera. camera. Yeah. yeah, and it's very intimate. He isn't engaging at, at any time with a number of member of the public, like I am, all the time. Only, I, yeah, I'm only, only on screen with somebody else. Um, uh, so what we did with Ed is we, we started, we realized very early on in the very early shows when we were making this up, to be honest with you, uh, that it was too intimate. So let's get me back into the workshop in every part break. Let's get me back oh, in. Oh, it was jarring between the two, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So, and when you end up throwing me back into the workshop to deliver parts or to take a part away. Oh, I see. None of that was there. I None of that see. was there. Yeah. We yeah, no, I like that. I like yeah. that part. Yeah. So that was, that, that was to bring. Uh, the outside inside if you like and to bring me and to get Ed interacting for me that was the relationship I was talking about I wouldn't have necessarily noticed it had it not been for oh Mike's here the, the door opens the light comes in yeah. and Mike comes in with his parts yeah. and hey man you've done a great job blah 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 yeah and do you know what uh, we're still doing exactly that same scene in every show still today that's the formula and because right? it's the formula and not only that it wor- it works I mean it really works because 
you end up as a member of the audience, you can become um, uh, too stale, just staring at the screen and watching one person mm -hmm. just narrate about how to rebuild a turbo. That can become stale. Yeah. Unless that's interrupted with a, a little sideline that says, you know, uh, let me take that turbo part away and get it fixed for you. Uh, people will start to, you know. Just that was get... some of my favorite stuff, too, when you would go someplace else and, oh, I'm going to redo these seats myself with the guy. And the yeah, whole we that still I do it. In that. every single yeah. show, we still do exactly that. that. So we live dealers sort of by the time we got to the end of the very first series we'd sort of struck upon this formula okay. and this formula uh, was working not only was it working it was the highest rated show on the network in its first season uh, and as a consequence they ordered more seasons and as they ordered more the audience grew and grew and then it started to take on an international flavor because right. more we started to venture into more international cars and as such it started to play well, out you would in, travel as well right? we travel and we we played out in international markets french germany mm. um holland belgium australia and then of course it crossed over here to north america and, and right. when it done that it just exploded you know the show sort of just exploded in its in its gravitas and its appeal and what people liked from it. They just thought this is exactly what they want to watch. And uh, funny enough, we did tweak parts of the format along the way. Even after, let's go up to season 2013, we had to tweak the format slightly because at that point, Ed didn't want to really work. Ed wanted to take more time off. He wanted more time to be with his family or his wife, mm -hmm. and uh, and he wanted to do less work. As a consequence, that meant that I had to come into the workshop more. We've still got to deliver a show. Uh, well, I had to come in more and do more work on the cars. Sure. Uh, now... I remember that transition. Yeah, you remember that transition. transition so sure. you see me in every show in the workshop doing... The show was already here in the States, I it think, It was right? here in the States. Yeah. And, and this is purely because Ed wanted more time off. He simply weren't turning up for work. So if he's not there, I have to be there. <laughs> Somebody has to be there. We've got a crew on standby. So well, as that's a, production. As, I know production, yeah. <laughs> as, a co as a consequence of that, um, people hated it. You know, people would write in and, and complain on social media. There was a write... different tone to the show, It was 100%. a different tone, yeah. But that tone was, um, you know, I'm stealing Ed's thunder I'm stealing screen time. I'm getting kicking him out of work. No, it's none of that. I was doing a guy a favor. Because he know, wasn't I, there. He wasn't yeah, there, he and I'm letting him have some time on the beach or ride his cycle. But I can see that perspective from someone who didn't know what was going yeah, on. Of course. I mean, that's the product. But you know, the way. last thing uh, anyone wanted me to say is I'm giving the guy some time off because he had some personal issues he wanted to deal with. But that was that season, and when we did that, that tweak to the format. People hated it. Yeah. They hated it. So, uh, you know, consequently, when that played out and Ed left uh, and Ant came in, that didn't exist anymore. You know, that we went back to where we were right at the very beginning and uh, and the show went back to being a huge success. You know that this whole thing was very, it's, this is my DNA. Uh, there was a time that was very tumultuous in the late night world where it was as simple as like, you know, they got rid of a producer or they, they called you know, severing a, 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 a sour limb, yeah. so to speak. Um, I never realized that maybe this was the case, but it does sound like almost maybe that was part of it as well. And if so, I, I don't imagine what that must have been like for you. It was horrible. I it can't horrible. imagine. You know, you, at the time, you have to imagine, uh, you know, I, um, two things about this whole uh, change to the cast of Wheeler Dealers. I, I can't believe it still resonates after almost three years. <laughs> and people still go on about it. Literally, every single post I do on social media, no matter what it is, like today, I'm promoting my new series. Every single post to promote my new series, there'll be 20% of the posts, uh, the comments will be, 
where's Ed? What does Ed think? What do you think about it? It's just, and it's like, oh, get over it. I just block and delete them. You know, I'm is, sick to death of it. Is the so, old show still repeating It's still places? repeating so, everywhere. So other people think yeah. it's current. They do, but they know. People know, and they do it a lot to wind me up, and it's fine because I just block and delete them. Uh, but you, I can't, you're the sixth, sixth I, kid. You can handle it, I right? I can handle it. Yeah, of course I can. But I, I can't believe it still resonates. Um, but look, the, 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 when, I, when I you said about cutting off a sour limb. Uh, and a, I didn't mean that. Nothing no, no, personal no, it's very, anywhere. It's very apt because, um, you know, when, when Ed left, and he left under a cloud, he really did. Nothing to do with me. Not, not one single. He didn't. He will even tell you in his videos. He never left because of me. That's got, I got nothing to do with it. Sure. He left because of his his relationship with the network. Right. That's nothing to do with me. I tried for thirteen years. I nurtured that guy to get him to have a relationship with me. You know. Um, and when he left, he didn't think about me. He didn't think about me. He didn't think about my crew. He didn't think about the team. He didn't think about the show. Mm -hmm. He left and uh, selfishly went and done his own thing. And in, as a consequence, killed careers. You know, um, producers, directors, cameramen, sure. soundmen, me. Uh, what about us? Hello, yeah. hello, what about us? He went, he disappeared. So Wheeler Dealers was fundamentally dead and that was one man's decision. Um, but... You know, me, it's my baby, and I'm not going to give up on it. And uh, thank God I managed to get the show brought it back. back on. I bought it back. But not only did I bring it back, and with the greatest respect to what we did before, I think I bought it back in a much, much better and positive way. We've got uh, a new way of learning. We've got a new guy in the workshop who's fantastic. And uh, as, it's not only me saying this, the audience is saying it. Because right. ever since we've been back on the air in the last two years, we've had record audiences globally. Yeah. Uh, and the show's just succeeding more. It's 20%, 30% more than it ever was before. That's wonderful. So uh, well, it's great, friends. isn't it? It's and that's because of the determination of that team that didn't want to give up and the determination of me and my wife, Michelle, and Ant, you you know, we just didn't want it to result fail. of the work it is a result of the work yeah. yeah and doing the right thing you know i said earlier it's just about paying respect to the car and letting the car be the star that's uh, that's written on the boards everywhere in the in my office you know the car's a star yeah you can do this yourself at home that's the motto for wheeler dealers and uh, we, we as long as we're sticking true to that we're, we're the show's just always going to succeed always gosh i great love motto. it i love it mm -hmm. um all right. Well, on to the new things. Um, uh, you said that the audience is receiving it very well. I mean, it's been two or three seasons with Ant. Two. This, two, yeah. and this is the third? Uh, so we've got – it's really weird because we've had seasons are – we call them one season. Oh, but Discovery, But Discovery break them down into two parts. So we've done uh, we've done one series with Ant, which was the we started off with the Escort Cosworth, mm -hmm. and then we did another series with Ant, where we ended up I think last show on that one was a Porsche 924, and now we've got uh, a new uh, which is just played out, uh, and now we've got another eight. There's 18 shows you haven't seen yet. Oh my goodness! So we've goodness. got 18 in the bag. That's what starts tonight. That's what starts tonight. Okay. Yeah, you've got uh, I do believe uh, 12 of those 18 are going to start playing out wow. tonight. It's going to be good. That's a good yeah. Yeah, binge it's good. number. A bit, a bit, and that you will be able to binge it from tonight as well because they are going to drop the first six episodes oh, yeah. on on the stream on the app. Yeah, so oh, you, that's can, cool. you can get a jump start on all the rest of the people that are watching it on the usual glass box in the middle of the room. You can uh, you can stream all six together at one time wow. using the Motor Trend app. It's going to be great. Is that new for you? Is that new? This is the brand app new. new. We yeah, are the first is... show to do it. 
Uh, and uh, This I, is the future, right? This is the future. I mean, look, there's no doubt about it. TV's changed. Uh, the way we're going to make TV is changing. The way that we're going to watch TV has definitely changed. Uh, most people now have a, an online service. More people are cutting their cable and, uh, and ripping their satellite dishes down than ever before. Yeah. Um, we're, we're the, we did that. Yeah, we did that. The millennials. Yes, yeah. you people. It's great. <laughs> uh, but don't get me wrong. I think it's really exciting. And for me, as a television maker, as a producer, and a television uh, program maker, this is the most exciting time for me. I'm going Same. through this revolution, this gold rush yeah. in television. And it's exciting in two ways because uh, the audience out there, they want more content. So they demand more of the show. So we've just made an unprecedented 27 episodes in one season. That's never been done before. Mm -hmm. But what people want is more. They want more, not only more seasons, but more content in that yeah. show. Now, on a and then the extra ancillary digital content and everything, right? Of course they do. But in a in a television hour, we only make 42 minutes of television because uh, television hour is only 42 minutes long. Commercials. So to, and commercials. Station identification. So to squeeze in a full restoration on a car in 42 minutes is incredible. Incredible. But this jump to digital does mean that we're no longer restricted by that. So we can have an hour-long program. We can have a 75-minute-long program, mm. 56 minutes. Two parts, if you Two want. Two parts. Whatever. We can do whatever we like, and it frees us to show more of the content on screen, more of me finding these uh, small crafts and trades and industries, more work on the cars that you've never seen before that it ends up on the cutting room floor. Sure. Now we can put it in the show. Uh, so people are just going to get better and better shows, and they can only get that if they download the app. They can't get that. They're going to watch mm. it on TV. They're going to watch that 42-minute show. But if you want more Wheeler Dealers, you can watch it online. But if you have an uh, Apple TV or one of those, you can download the app right there and watch it. Right, you can right. Write, watch it straight away, yeah. Beautiful. In fact, I think you can watch it today. It is yeah. today. It's all know. there. It's on there today, yeah. So you can download so cool. it. It's really cool. So uh, Discovery Channel, uh, who own Motor Trend, uh, Discovery Channel have asked us to be the first show in their whole portfolio. Nice. Uh, we're the biggest show in their portfolio, so they've asked us to be the first to, to do this and to make this transition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, out of all the shows they could have chosen, and let's face it, you know, Gold Rush and Shark Week There's and Deadly days. Catch, you yeah. know, all these huge, great big uh, programs they've got to choose, they chose us. And uh, I'm that must very, feel good too. It feels great. It feels great. I'm very, very proud of it. And I know uh, my bosses at Discovery Channel and at Motor Trend, my bosses at Motor Trend, um, they are the most vehement supporters of this brand and they absolutely love this brand and uh, we I think can maybe you too yeah I, yeah I hope so and they can feel that they can f and we, sorry we can feel that we can feel that they've they've got our back and uh, they really want to push this whole brand into the future and we're going to we're going to expand out as well. They've given us a chance to just push the boundaries of what Wheeler Dealers means in really? the future. I've got a new series coming up, Wheeler Dealers Dream Cars. I'm going to be making that in the summer. Whoa. Cool. Ant's got a new series coming up where Ant's going to be building a racing car during the summer. This um, is all cool. You're bringing me back to Ant, though. Um, I want to know, after that whole thing, and you're going to bring the yep. show back and everything, how and why Ant? Because everybody I've heard, as I started to say before, that I do know and trust loves the new show. Yeah, Tori, the guy who booked you for one, yeah. Tori Alonzo, huge fan, and I trust his word. Um, how and why Ant? Uh, well, it's really good, actually. Okay. So what happened in Wheeler Dealers? It's a tough thing. I mean, it's a tough thing. There's, yeah. there's, so no, this there's is, no good way to do it. No, there is no good way. And when Ed left, you met Ed's a huge character. You know, unlike, um, you know, I, I kept saying the car's a star. Well, Ed become a star 
unfortunately he did because he's got big hair he's recognizable people yeah you crash, can't hide him in you a can't crowd. hide him you know yeah. the, people will crash their cars to cross to cross the street to to shake his hand and and as as a consequence had become a star you know he, he really did um uh so when when the show when ed went you know that was the star of the show going it was the john lennon of the band he's lit he's quitting so the band's over we're done we're dead but something happened about uh, six years ago. We had a, a guy, a producer, come to work with us on, on Wheeler Dealers called Jeremy Daldry. Lovely guy. Uh, but Jeremy Daldry, he was the showrunner, so he was running the whole production. But what Jeremy did is he sat down with a pen and paper and he wrote down everything that he'd learned from Wheeler Dealers, how to run a show, how to run a car show. Oh. Then he left at the end of the season of Wheeler Dealers. And when he left, he went to work for a rival television company and created, guess what, a Wheeler Dealer knockoff, a car show, which was fundamentally the same as Wheeler Dealers. They took a well-known television actor from the UK, uh, um, lovely guy, Phil Glenister, and, uh, and they found a mechanic. And this mechanic happened to be Antanstead. Uh, he was an unknown, oh. complete unknown, but a really good-looking, strapping... Personable, uh, too. Personable mechanic. They put the two of them together, and they made a sort of knockoff copy of Wheeler Dealers for a rival network. And it was a success. Uh, and uh, as a consequence, I got to meet Ant. You know, I, I'm presenting car shows, uh, live uh, stand-up stage shows uh, at, at big car You events. run into one. This community we, is very yeah, small. Correct. Yeah. And we run into each other. And when we did, within the first five minutes of meeting Ant, and he'll tell you this separately when he comes in for his chat with you. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. He's going to be here soon, too. He's going to be here soon. When uh, when Ant met me within first five uh, first five minutes, I said to him, we're definitely going to be working together. Because Ant had exactly the same ethos as me on what a car restoration should be like, what a car show should feel like. And we're shouting at each other in five minutes, getting all this stuff off our brains. And I said, we're going to work together. And agreeing. Together. Agreeing. And then that. we did. We started to work together uh, on the on live stages at classic car shows. Uh, we started to work together more and more and more and started to support each other with charity work because Anne's got uh, the patron of a charity and mm. me and Michelle were the patrons of several charities. So we Beautiful. started to support each other. And we become really good friends over the course of the next few years we become good friends on the uh, not on the television side but in the, the away from television side um real life and it, real life <laughs> so when when uh, ed quit the show and went and the show was dead and done uh once all that was happening i approached Ant and said look you know i've got an idea that if i bought wheeler dealers back you'd be the only person oh. that i could bring it back with and Ant absolutely refused he said no way I'm not doing that. I can't imagine anyone wanting that no. job. He said it's too big a job and it's too big a, too big a role to, to, to take on. So he didn't want to do it. No matter How, what, you're the guy who's coming in after Ed. And, of and course. No you're matter all, what the actual you're story gonna be is. Compared. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to be compared. And he still is today, rather cruelly, because yeah. uh, they're two different people. Well, well we're um, going to help get over that. Good. Right. So uh, what happened is is um, uh, a rather strange incident. Um, and Ed will tell you this if you ever have him on your podcast one day. Um, Ed went and visited <laughs> Ant a bigger studio. And, and put him off. He oh. said, please don't do it. You know, oh. if you get offered this job, don't do it. Oh, my. And uh, and he tried to throw Ant off the scent of ever accepting the job on Wheeler Dealers. Oh, my goodness. And uh, when Ed left, uh, Ant phoned me up and he said, I'll do the job. I'll do it. I'm After not gonna, that. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be told not to do something. That's a weird. Uh, so I'll do it. Can and change the dynamic. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, pretty, that's so, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's yeah and awesome. all of a sudden, you, yeah, your loyalty. Yeah, wow, that's yeah, so, so interesting. I, um, so I uh, uh, flew over. You have a partner, for I sure. A, yeah, so I flew home. 
uh, with a, with the the show's current uh, producer, exec producer and showrunner uh, Jake. We flew home together to England. Uh, we took a, we got a film crew. We went down to Ant's garage, his real his real workshop, and we did a uh, a test of me and Ant together to see how it would work on screen. First time ever, and. Was there instantly. a question or you just had to see for the network? Uh, no, well, we, we had to show it to the network. Okay. But the instant chemistry instant. was already there because we'd had it for the previous right. three or four years working together. Uh, the instant chemistry was already there and it was magic. You could see when I look back at that footage now, uh, it's just a Wheeler Dealer episode and it's just magic. We are bouncing off each other. We're having a great time. Both of us you are smiling. Like friends. You really we're seem like we're really good friends. And, uh, of course, once that footage went in front of Discovery Channel, uh, they were straight Don't on deal. the phone to me that's and said, awesome. that's the guy. Let's that's the guy. We're doing this show. We're going to bring the show back. We want that guy. And uh, he he came in to, to come in to do Wheeler Dealers. And, and thank God he did because we started off with that Escort Cosworth controversial with that third wing we put on the back mm-hmm. of it. And Ant owned that. He absolutely owned that. That was his, his show, his decision to do that. And if he's going to start off on That's this iconic British brand, do it with an iconic British car and do something controversial to it, make a splash. And, uh, and the rest is history. He knocked it out of the park with that. People went, this guy's kind of serious. We love him. Was that car and that decision made because of all that, or is that just how it unfolded it when, just it was, when the production schedule absolutely. We actually went? finished making the car. The car was done. And when we was at the 11th hour, literally the 11th hour on that very first episode of Wheeler Dealers, uh, Frank Stephenson, the famous McLaren and Ferrari designer, the guy that designed the Mini 1, the Fiat 500, the 612 Scaglietti, every McLaren since 2005. Uh, that guy, Frank Stephenson, also designed... The Cosworth. I didn't know and that. he happens to be a friend of ours, and he came to the studio to visit. And when he came into the studio, he went, that's my baby. That's my Cosworth. I designed the rear end of this car. That's my baby. Um, when I designed it, I actually designed it with a third wing. I put a third wing on it. That was the original intent. So no way. Yes. But uh, the, uh, the people at Ford took the third wing off because it was too expensive. And uh, if it was my, if it should be as intended, it should look like the Red Baron. It should have three wings at wow, the back. Wow, the try. Uh, and uh, so when he said that to Ant at the 11th hour, Ant said, we're doing it. Absolutely doing it. So we cast a mold. Made it. Put we the have approval on. from the designer right there in the studio yeah. too. Oh, yeah. That's kind of nice. And he drew it. He drew it right there and then. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, Frank forced us into into that decision, and and owned that decision solely. And he said, "I'm doing this." And he put that third wing on. And still today, two years later, it still raises debate every single day online. Somebody will have a either they hate it or they love it, and that's what's good about it because yeah. they're talking about it. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the designer intended it to be there, but the uh, Escort Cosworth purists are going, well, I'm not too sure. But it's strange, we've had Ken Block, who's recently bought uh, an Escort Cosworth, uh, actually mentioned several times that he should put a third wing on it because uh, it does work. It does work. It, it, it adds more downfalls and more grip. And, uh, and that's what, you know, was intended originally. So, yeah, that, that show, I'm very proud of that one show that we come back with. I think it was the mark of Ant, and I let Ant own that show. You know, I didn't. I'm quiet in that show. You see me. I'm kind of a little church mouse in the background. I'm letting him take that. We're back. See what we're you think. back. Yeah. See what you think of this guy. In fact, for that whole season, I sort of took a more quieter reproach uh, to everything I did, and a more serious reproach just to let Ant find his own space. And uh, now, 
you know, the I'll be honest with you. Again. I feel like Hans running the show now. He's doing a, he's doing a fantastic job. Well, that must be good. It's great. That must be no, great no, for it's you. brilliant. I've got a partner. You know, I've got a real, true, genuine partner. Somebody that um, is purely passionate about what he does. He loves what he does. Uh, the good news for me is that he managed to marry a hot American wife who's also a TV <laughs> presenter, and that means he ain't going anywhere. He's staying. Yeah. This isn't the guy who's going to leave me. I didn't know that. Who's his wife? Uh, Christina uh, from uh, – she's now Christina Anstead, formerly El Musa. She does a show on HGTV called oh, no Flip or Flop. I know that oh, show. Yes. Yeah. No kidding. Yes, that's oh, uh, so he's married her, and they're expecting their first child together. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, and it's fantastic. So uh, he isn't going anywhere. Congratulations. I'm glad this show will be here for a while. Uh, We're running all around the place, and I don't want to keep you too, too long. Uh, I do want to know about Porsche because you are a Porsche fan as well. Huge Porsche fan. And you've got a few Porsches probably you should tell us about, I would think. I've got a few tucked away. Well, I mean, like, it's really hard for me because I I sell, uh, me and my wife, we've got car dealerships in in England. uh, Mike Brewer Motors, right? Mike Brewer Motors. And we've got this phenomenal business back in England, and I've always got. Um, probably, you know, 20, 30 Porsches in stock. So technically you could say they're mine as well, but they're not. <laughs> they're, they're for stock. Uh, but no, p- personally, we've got a few. Uh, I've got a 69T, 2.2T, that um, is a lovely little car. I think you've seen it as parked in Nicholas's garage, uh, Nicholas Hunziger. Oh, a very good friend. Mutual friend and uh, yes. supplier of wardrobe for the show. Yes, uh, Nicholas has got uh, uh, the T in his garage. Uh, we've also got a very unusual 550 Beck Spider that is just been done at a crazy level. Mm. Uh, it's all aluminum, uh, the inside oh. of it, aluminium it should be, ah. uh, all the inside of it. and uh, Regionalisms. And, uh, and uh, yes, and it's got original 550 hubs and, and brakes on it. It's just kind That's of a, cool. yeah, it's yeah. a very cool car. So me and Nick are going to be working on that in the future. Um, I've got a 82SC, which is my daily driver, uh, and that's beautiful. Lots of people uh, have, have seen that car. I'm sort of going down the road. I, you know, I got it, and I thought, I'm just going to change some subtle things uh. on it. And then as you get into this this world, particularly here in California, oh, yeah. and you go to more car meets, you go, I like what that guy's got, and I like what that guy's got. I want that in my car. So now I'm starting to rock that car, front and rear bumpers, nice. uh, which I'm going to do. I've already got a, a, a duck towel. Uh, and oh, now, I love it already. Uh, I've got to start already. coming to breakfast club. And I, and I just put, <laughs> I just put a, a, I just upgraded the exhaust uh, to a maxi flow exhaust to give it a bit more lighter and a bit more power out the back, and I'm going for twin pipes. And so I've just started too. There's to, all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just open it up a little bit more. Like so your that, face lit up like you've yeah, got I know, so you know he's find another stock 82 SC. <laughs> well, I had this sort of thing that I just wanted to keep it, you know, yeah. uh, as a as I got it as original. Uh, part of the story, then, right? Yeah, part of the story. But then, but you then you saw want, your own television show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a car guy, you know, where, and I just want to fiddle with my own car. So uh, I'm now going down the road of starting to to uh, hot rod that, and I've got the most exquisite uh, one model year only. 1976 912. Oh, yeah. Um, the E, right? The E, yeah. So I've got a 912E, which I've It's I not got. the one from your episode, is no, it? You no, no. This is show. exactly the same car as that. This car's in uh, in England, so I took it back home to England. I restored it in enamel blue, uh, its original color. That's nice. And it is 
absolutely immaculate. I mean, the car is just a, just a, a pristine uh, restoration. But strangely... It's a neat rare car now, it's a, you know? It's a driver. I drive it constantly. As soon as I land in England, it's the car I keep in my garage at home. It's the car that I get in and drive every day. It... I can. The one thing I love about that car is, unlike the the SE, I can only drive that SE really at about eight temps, nine temps. But the nine twelve, I drive it eleven temps. I put that. I put. Because <laughs> where's thing, it going to go? It's where's it going to go? I, I drive it on the door handle seriously. Yep. And every time I see a bend in the road or a roundabout in England, I think, yeah, I, I reckon I can do this roundabout at least thirty miles an hour faster than I did yesterday. And uh, and it just sticks. The car just sticks to glue. It has. It's a hundred pound lighter over the rear axle. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to swap ends on that's you. A, that's a great so you, place yeah, to lose 100 pounds. It is, and, uh, and it doesn't swap ends on you. And you can just mash your, your foot on that accelerator into any corner you like and to go through it with a grin. I love that car. Oh, so, that's uh, so cool. I would say that's my, out of all the cars I've got, and I've got a, me and my wife, we've got a very good collection. I would say that's my favorite car. That's that the one. Isn't that something? Yeah, and that's even more favorite than, say, the, the 69 or the, <laughs> or the SC or any others that I've got. I've got Citroen SMs and uh, Camaros, Mustangs. I've got, you know, uh, I've got a, uh, a DB4, Aston Martin DB4 Zagato race car. Uh, but I would still choose, still choose uh, the 912 over any wow. of them. Wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, social media had some questions. Yes. Real quick here. Uh, some folks on Instagram. <laughs> I have to read the first one. <laughs> uh <clears throat> I'll say who this is from afterwards. Ask Mike why I'm the best professional automotive fine artist and race car driver in the world, yet have the ability to remain so grounded. Be very specific. <laughs> Do you have any idea who that might be from? <laughs> I could be incredibly specific about that. Any um, idea who that might be from? I, I got to meet this guy a few years ago, uh, Nicholas Hunziger yeah. and his beautiful wife, Heather. And I got to meet him a few years ago. And uh, it's fair to say that Nick is not a guy that's easy to get to know. He's kind of Correct. a, he's an artist. <laughs> and as an artist, he's going to cut off his ear. You know, he's going to paint naked women or something. He's going to, you know, he's going to be in a shell. Yeah. Uh, but very quickly, uh, me and Nick, we bonded over the love of one thing, and that's cars. Again, we speak car talk together, and uh, together with his wife. And they are the most creative mm. and forward-thinking yeah. people I've ever met. They're just wonderful people. And uh, to be around Nick and see his art is incredible. Nick touches uh, people in areas that we can't. We, me, me and you are good at talking. Mm-hmm. That's what we're good at. And I can touch people by by painting a picture on screen and I can touch them that way by narrating that, narrating that picture. You behind the desk. Uh, Nick actually does it with pen and paper and paint and he touches people in that way. Yeah. And, uh, and it, he is an incredible artist. I mean, when you walk into the headquarters of Porsche or Singer or McLaren or, or oh. Pirelli and his artwork is his hanging work. on the walls, you know that the guy is a serious artist. Um, but not only that, he's it's just a wonderful to, perspective. You're he, right. Yeah. But not only that, he happens to be a really cool car guy. And it not, as a cool car guy, he's got an insane passion to race cars. And uh, he is a pretty tasty race driver. Yeah. And he's been out of the saddle for a little while, but he's just recently got back in the saddle again. Yeah, we're going to play a video and, tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, he's raced recently, and he's come home with a pot. You know, he won a pot a race meeting recently, and that's fantastic. A cup for us, right? Yeah, we call it a pot. You can call it a cup. <laughs> Uh, so he came home with a with with a cup or a pot, and and for Nick that is his life. You know, Nick's yeah. life is painting and racing, and 
I, it's a pleasure to know him. You know, it really is a pleasure to know him. And as a consequence, we become such good car friends and car and buddies that um, me and Nick are. We're working on the '69T that I've got. Uh, we're working on that together. Nick is going to help me do a, a sport performance upgrade on that car, and uh, also the 550 we bought together. You know, so that we've got we partnered yeah. me and Nick in. I'm in very excited about the future of this relationship. Yeah, no, the, but the relationship's really good. He also done a, a merchandise range for me, a wheeler dealer merchandise range of t-shirts and. Uh, yeah, we're going to copy your model. It's good. It's great. It's tonight's yeah, show, should, we're going to do the same show, thing. Tonight's show, you should do. You yep. should get Nick to do. He recently painted a, a picture for me and Michelle. Uh, and my daughter Chloe put. He asked me, "What's your favourite car?" I said, uh, uh, "My favourite car is a, a '64 Mini Cooper S." Most people are going to say a Ferrari 250, but me, no, it's a '64 Mini Cooper S. Bury me in one. And Nick <laughs> painted a picture of a, your kitty car, right? Yeah, of a '64 yeah. Mini uh, with me, Michelle, my daughter, sat in it. Oh, and, uh, and he painted it for That's us, cool. and it touched my heart. You know, it's, a, it's such a generous thing to do. So, uh, yes, it's a pleasure to know him. You should go and see him. He's at 4040 Spencer Street in Torrance. And look him up online, uh, Hunziger Designs, across all social media. <laughs> he does uh, great footwear, great merchandise, and he's an amazing artist. He's a big fan of yours too, buddy. I know that. Um, ask Mike this. If you were looking for a used non-911 or 913, I think he means 912, Porsche, which would be – yes, he does mean 12. Uh, which would be your preferred model of choice? So a good use one. Well, I can tell you, unfortunately, in the world that we love, uh, the Porsche world, prices have now, the bubbles now burst and yeah. prices are on their way down. Yeah. Uh, but good time to wait. Uh, it is a good time to wait. However, uh, the only car, strangely, the only car bucking the trend in a downward spiral of Porsche prices is an SC. So uh, an, a 79, 80, 81, 82, 83 SC are the only ones uh, rated at 29% up in wow. prices and the reason for that and is you're because, customize they, yours. because they've completely been overlooked uh, up until now because now the prices uh, of the you know everything else got everything out else of. got out of control so that bubble has to burst uh, but now people are going oh well hold on a minute we forgot this car uh, nobody's looked at that car because it wasn't the most desirable one because it's a bit fat a bit bloated a bit heavy but now, but now it's available sudden, now it's available and it's still in that good price range that f- Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar uh, price range, and now that car is on the ascent. So mm-hmm. that's a, a really good place to start. As for the uh, nine twelve, uh, that's very difficult at the moment because the nine twelve market again, uh, the nine eleven market's bur- bur- burst its bubble, but the nine twelve market hasn't quite mm-hmm. yet. Um, and the nine twelve market is still quite buoyant and still quite popular. Um, I would try to fight uh, getting a free gauge uh, nine twelve. You're going to be paying heavy money for one of those today. Uh, but uh, I, if I was looking for a 912 today, I would definitely default to that 76 model, that one model year the only. E, really? The E, yeah. That's the one that I would go for. Just take that nonsense fuel injection off and put some carbs on it, it yeah. and uh, open the car up. And uh, it performs a lot better and uh, uh, much more rewarding. That's what I did to mine. And uh, and I would recommend uh, go searching for one of those. If you can find one with a sunroof, they only made 500 ever in the world. So, no uh, kidding. With yeah, the sunroof? With there's a sunroof, a, yeah. Oh so there's my. only, although I prefer cars without a sunroof, right? Just uh, because if, of the rarity, the rarity. Yeah. But if you can find one with a sunroof, you've got one of only 500 cars ever made by Porsche. Ah. And one day, one day, that car will be worth a small fortune. Also, getting away from a 911 and 912, uh, and I'm going to say this with a prediction: um, the 928 market, ah. right? 928 market is completely 
overlooked, completely overlooked. Uh, and a night you have to think of what a 928 is. A 928 is a five-liter Porsche V8. It's front some engine. Of, uh, front <laughs> engine. It's it's some of the most exquisite design ever, and it's probably the, one of the most uh, beautifully R and D and research cars that Porsche ever produced back then. Well, it was uh, back then, and probably still is today. Uh, and yet, you can still buy them for sub twenty grand. Those yeah. cars. And my prediction is, with the world of uh, the nine elevens and and SCs and nine twelves, where that world's gone, my prediction is that within a couple of years, nine two eights. S2s, S4s, I reckon that they're going to be $40,000 cars within wow. a couple of years. Whoa. Yeah, they have to be. It, it they, doesn't they, surprise me. It doesn't. It they they have to be. They have to be. So a really good uh, purchase at the moment to be going to find a really decent, original, uh, standard 928 and nurturing it and loving it. Love it. Uh, I want to wrap up with you here because I want to get you out. But I would like to know personally what your favorite wheeler dealer transaction was mm. like i don't know maybe your favorite customer maybe mm. the best deal you ever yeah, made i don't know yeah, but transaction question. wise not the car see this is why you're good at this because nobody's asked me that question before really nobody in 22 years of television people always ask me what's your favorite car that's what i don't <laughs> all right well i go see between. this is why you're good at this thanks man uh so favorite transaction i think i'll have to go back to the last season when it was the austin healy 3000 okay uh, it was the most expensive car I ever bought in Wheeler Dealers at $35,000. Uh, it was a big uh, ask for uh, the Wheeler Dealer audience to come along with me for that ride mm-hmm. because they're used to seeing cars at 10, 15, 20 grand price range. It's very appealing to see something that you maybe could do yourself. Correct. To see a car that's 35 grand is a little bit of an ask for a Wheeler Dealer audience. Sure. However, uh, if I didn't do it that year, I'd never do it because I knew the following year that's going to be a 50 grand car. Mm. The following year, it's going to be a 75 grand car. Uh, the prices are just gone. They're flying. Uh, so in the time that we had the car and the work we did to it, uh, I sold it at Barrett-Jackson Car Auctions for seventy-five grand. So that's the most rewarding. Because, and it's only rewarding not because of the amount of money that we made. It's rewarding because the audience we put it in front of. We put it in front of an audience of thousands of people at a live uh, auction mm-hmm. where we had eyeballs pouring all over that car. Um, and they they found it flawless. They found that there car flawless, go. and that shows the quality of the work that me and Ant did on the show. And uh, I'm proud of that. You know, we put it in front of these people on a stage, and two people loved it enough to go and fight against each other and pay double what I paid for it. And that's uh, that's that's a very rewarding feeling. I bet it is. That was a great answer too, <laughs> without having to think about it. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, what on earth can we expect this season from Wheeler Dealers? I know uh, well, we can watch a lot of it today, but. Yes, uh, you can expect a lot, actually. I have I've, a picture. of. What, for, I have a screen grab here. I'll put that up, right? Yeah. So uh, this is tonight's show. We've got the uh, the wonderful Porsche 996 again. Uh, there we uh, go. Very much an overlooked car. Oh, Cabriolet. Car. Okay. Cabriolet, an overlooked car. And the reason I steered to a 996 is, again, uh, these are cars that are starting to come into their own price-wise. They're starting to... They're starting to just, uh, people are starting to pay much more attention to them. They yeah. had huge amounts of criticism in the past, uh, but that was purely from a design point of view, the fried egg headlamp. <laughs> everyone talks about uh, it. And oh. everyone talks about that. But uh, unfortunately, the, the car is still a beautifully engineered, uh, well-executed Porsche. Um, and people need to now start embracing what that car stands for. And the one thing about that car that was really good is uh, I want if you're going to if you're going to feature a 996, especially at the year 2000, 
uh, you're al- always going to run up against that IMS problem. Right. The intermediate shaft bearing. And I went and found a car that hadn't had it done. Ah. Uh, purely so I could So that, that you could do it. Okay. So I could do it and I could show the audience what that is, that that ticking is, time bomb. That's, a, there you go. It's a grenade with the pin pulled and you're that's driving it down the road. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to show you that, you know, with the, that, that grenade, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it too much. There is a way you can do this, but not only a way you can do it, we did a minor upgrade to it as well where we oil fed the new IMS nice. and we show you how to do that. Uh, and it is something that's within the realms of the home mechanic, the Porsche sure. enthusiast. If you uh, know how to, ch- if you can change your clutch, you can you absolutely can do, this. do this. So, um, so you're going to see that on tonight's show. And then coming up, we've got a uh, Type Three Fastback, Volkswagen Type Three cool. Fastback, really cool Mazda RX Seven that's coming up with a great drive at the end. I, the, the drive at the ends, I just had that thing sideways wherever I could. It's amazing. Uh, and it's the best RX-7. It's the first generation, but with the 1985, uh, had the later, uh, had the newer B-series engine that was going to go in the later cars. Okay. So it was a crossover period. So it's the best of the shapes and the best of the engines in that 1985, and that's a very cool car. Um, they were all neat to me. And, I, and, I, and I've, I've just mixed in an eclectic mix. You know, I've got a Chevy C10 truck in there as well. Uh, because I needed a bit of Americana in there. Mm-hmm. And I've just gone for this really weird, eclectic <clears throat> mix of cars from all over the world, not you know purely American cars. or, or I've gone for European and Japanese cars, and I've tried to really mix this series up. And, and the other 18 that you've yet to, mm-hmm. to see, uh, I've really mixed them up. And I, I'm prouder, I think, of this series than of any other series that we've oh. done, uh, because we've now, you know, we, we've got the... We've got the and, up and running in the workshop. I think the, the debacle of whatever happened before is now laid to waste. It's just a few it's people out there. It's its own thing there. again. It's its own thing again. And a, a few people out there that still want to hang on to the past, let them. Um, but now we're running again and we've got the confidence in the, and the whole crew's got the confidence. We're, we're back flying and, and I think I can feel it. I can feel it on screen when I watch the shows. Cool. We're having so much fun making it. We really are. We we. And you're going to see the fun, I and I think it's going to come out on screen. And when that want, translates, is yeah, we, we, we want people to, to enjoy it. You know, it's hard to sit down there and be educated about something without having a little bit of a laugh along the way. And we want people to enjoy it. And the, and it's not forced humour. Nothing on the show is is written. We don't write anything down. It's not forced. It's natural. You know, just, it's just in the moment, like what comes it's in up the moment, right? what happens. You know, sometimes we've said it in the moment, and it's funny, and the crew <clears> laugh. <laughs> And uh, but the camera wasn't running properly, so we might have yeah. to do it again. So the only time it's forced is when we have to repeat ourselves. But genuinely, it's uh, we love what we do. We're enjoying every single minute of it, and long may it continue. Do you get uh, one last thing again? Do you get that uh, uh, a lot of female viewers are uh, there's a, a mass appeal to both sexes? Now and join the show, most definitely. <laughs> no, 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 I'm serious. Uh, no, it's true. Do you know true. What I mean? um, Even Ant before, Ant is quite uh, good at showing me his. Uh, analytics on his instagram and he goes look at my analytics how many men viewers and when you look at mine i'm 94 percent male six percent female when you look at ants it's 65 percent male 45 oh my goodness so man's like yeah women watch now because i'm on the show and uh, yeah we get a lot of women watch the show and uh, and i think a lot of women out there as well know that in the background of wheeler dealers are some powerful women namely uh, my wife michelle who's been there since michelle, day dot. why don't you come on in i mean we're saying yeah, goodbye on, why don't you come on in just to yeah, so for michelle, the sake of it he's been there since uh, there she is uh, so michelle has been there since day dot and uh, has driven this show uh, in the background you know she's really 
forced uh, lots of deci- decisions we make every day. Uh, they come from Michelle. She caters for the crew almost really? every day. Yeah, she Michelle. Uh, she cares. She caters. <laughs> she's she's the counselor. She's everything. And uh, you know, the show wouldn't be the success it is today without you know strong women behind it. You know, yeah. somebody like Michelle. Yeah, we, uh, autism is a big thing for us. We us get a lot too. of uh, autism. Yeah, we get a lot of autistic people reach out to us from all over the world, say that how much the show calms autistic children down, and uh, they love the um, that that the nature of the show where we take a tool, fix something, put the tool back, oh and it's goodness. very uh, much in its place. So that's that's very good. But um, no, I I think you know we're all very proud of the of what we created and. Um, uh, that it's not only me, and a lot of people look at me and go, "You're the front of the show. It's your show." And uh, it's not only me, we know, <laughs> or Michelle, <laughs> or Michelle. It's a it's a team, and uh, the team have been more or less the same people that have been on it for the past six. That's incredible. Yeah, we're a family that's, of sixteen yeah. years. Same that's cameraman, what translates. same cameraman, same sound men. Uh, we've got the same uh, a producer that's been on it for five years. Two producers that have been on it for five years. Uh, the team are uniquely British. Mainly, the team are uniquely British as well, um, and we try to bring that Britishness to the show. You're right, Michelle. Did you enjoy all, listening to yeah. all of that? You did. Yeah. yeah, you did. Well, I mean, that's what I'm good at talking. That's how we. That's how we earn a living. Oh, <laughs> you guys are you delightful, guys. delightful. Um, Mike, thanks so much for coming here, especially on your big day, yeah, launching another well, series. Well, you know, um, I couldn't think of anywhere else that I'd rather be. I'd rather be here talking about what to look forward to in the in the upcoming episodes of Wheeler Dealers. And I'm about to leave here and uh, do it about 20 more times. <laughs> yeah, you are. It's junket day. It is junket. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. An and I look pleasure. forward to thank seeing you. you again soon. Yeah, well, let's uh, get me on again. I'd Absolutely. Love to you thank you. Mrs. Ryan, what do we have tomorrow? We've got... Uh, coming tomorrow. Oh, Leanne Elias Deutsch, we're going to say. Yeah. And then Friday, we're at Breakfast Club. So yeah. I love you so much. You. Mike Brewer and Michelle, we love you love so you much. Uh, we love everybody at home. Please love one another, and we will see you tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't. Did you? Did you?